ambitions and capabilities were a little bit out of whack. And yeah, never got the opportunity to I'd like to give a big shout out to the Hoodoo Gurus who have given us permission to use part of their song, That's My Team, as our new podcast episode intro for all of their music. And whenever they are going live or performing live, head to their Facebook and their Instagram. The links will be in the description below. Be sure to give them a like and a follow as well on Facebook and Instagram. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Final Tucker Podcast, and we're actually joined by a special guest, he's an NRL referee, he's actually one of five to have, to get over 300 games under his belt, um, and he also referees alongside his wife every now and then, his name is Gavin Badger, thanks very much for joining us here today. Hey mate, how are you? Yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good, and honestly chuffed, because as I said just before to you, you're one of my favourite referees, and a lot of the commentary crew for the podcast, they love your refereeing as well. Um, so let's get started, your refereeing debut, what was that like for you? Uh, it was awesome, um, like like anyone involved in anything at, at, at any level, you want to get to a point where you can be the best you can be, and, and you know reach the top of whatever you want to do, whether it be sport, whether it be work, whatever. Um, yeah, and as, as someone who wanted to referee at the highest level, um, takes a long time. It's, it's a long process to get from, you know, refereeing part 40 to refereeing in the NRL. And um, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of effort, and, you know, a lot of, you know, a, a, yeah, a lot of work to get there. So it was, it was a great feeling. Honestly, that's amazing. Um, now, you're a beloved fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. They won the Super Bowl for the yeah. first time in 50 years this year. Um what was it like for you as a fan? And do you think you'd like to give it a crack at refereeing the um, NFL or, you know, some sort of um, gridiron sort of sport? Um, yeah, that'd be all. I, I actually, we'll speak about the Chiefs first. Um, yeah, I've been a fan for a while. I actually got put onto the Chiefs because of my wife. Um, she was a Chiefs fan before I was. So when we first met, um, I followed the NFL. You know, I, I liked the game, but I never really had a team because you don't yep. have that personal connection with any, you know, any team. Yeah, yeah, there. yep. And, and um, yeah, Casey was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, so um, jumped on board. And uh, 13 years later, we get to see him win a yeah. championship. We've been lucky enough a couple of times to go across to Arrowhead Stadium. Um, which is, um, has Mate, the world goosebumps. Record, the yeah, the loudest stadium in the world. So 72.4 decibels it was. And, um, yeah, so being there a couple of times was, was outstanding. We actually went this year as well, so we wouldn't watch the Chiefs, the Packers. Oh, man, I'm a Packers fan. <laughs> Oh, well, Packers beat us that night. We had no Patrick Mahomes. He got injured the week before in Denver. Yeah, uh, we, was... we went to that game in Denver as well. So we were there to watch Patrick Mahomes get injured. We watched um, the, the game against the Packers, and then we got to watch um, throughout the, the, the postseason and, and, yep. and the Chiefs in Miami. Yeah, and like awesome. yeah, like with yourself, um, your goal and dream was obviously to go to Arrowhead Stadium. Mine is to go to Lambeau Field. What's it like yeah, to actually witness an NFL game live? Uh, outstanding. So the first game I ever went to, Casey and I went. We went to New York for our honeymoon in 2010, mm-hmm. and we were lucky enough to go. We went to we went to New York, so we went to MetLife Stadium and we yeah. watched oh. uh, Patriots versus the Giants there. Okay, yep. And we were we were hooked on live NFL then. It, it just hooked us. So, it's like next level yeah. from what I've been told. Oh, it's just, it, it, it's yeah, it's a great game to watch live. Um, the atmosphere and the crowd is is insane. Um, so we try every year. To, to get across the games and we've been fortunate enough to, to see the Chiefs play at Arrowhead probably four or five times and we've seen them play in Denver, we've seen them play in Texas, um, yeah, we've, we've been watched 
uh, in Houston. We went and watched them play uh, Houston, who, although I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, one of my favourite players in the NFL is um, uh, JJ Watts. Yep. I just love watching JJ play, and we got to, you know, we got to watch JJ play. Although when we went to watch him play, he got injured pretty early in the game as well, so we don't have good luck with that stuff. <laughs> uh, That's but just, yeah, but we, we, we look at... We're at a point now where, at the end of the season holidays, we, we have six weeks off as referees. So yep. in that six weeks, we generally um, try and travel across the states for three weeks, yeah. and we'll wait to put the holidays till the chief schedule comes out. And we try and follow the chiefs around. Yep. Yeah, well, honestly, that's so awesome. Um, and obviously, you were over in America when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. That's just based off your Instagram. I think you're at Arrowhead Stadium or something um, similar to how the NRL fans go to their local leagues club for their oh, team. No, no, that was just a- no, actually, that was just an old post. Um, it, there's a bit of a story in that because Ashley Klein, who's also another NFL referee, he's a massive yep. Kansas City. Oh, he's a Chiefs fan, is he? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so we were looking at trying to organise a trip to go up. We wanted to go to the Super Bowl. Mm. Uh, it a bit with our training schedules and stuff, so we were trying to work out how we could get there. And we looked at a trip where we could virtually fly in, spend the night in a hire car, jump to the game, jump straight back home to try and get back for training. But logistics of it didn't work out. But um, we, I remember we... Um, at, organized for our day for training to have the middle of the day off and then we trained later in the day so we could sit down together in the office and and watch watch the super bowl so, yeah no i'll sit in Z stadium watching the super bowl oh mate that's amazing i was at um panthers uh, leagues club in their oh, yeah, cinema yeah. room and i was watching the super bowl as i said i'm not a fan of the chiefs so as i said i'm a fan of the packers but i was rooting for the chiefs that day and to see obviously as, as i'm sure you saw the score line go how it went and then the fourth quarter boom Mahomes is where it was at. Um, now, switching topics for a little bit. Um, your childhood and grassroots, uh, what was it like growing up? Um, as as everyone covered last week, really with the Indigenous round, you yourself found out you were Indigenous as a teenager. What was that like and how did that help shape the person you are today? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty unique... And it's pretty, well, it's actually not that unique because I've spoken to a couple of guys. Well, Wade Graham um, for the Cronulla Sharks has a similar story to mine where he found out um, about his culture a little bit later through, you know, through, through uh, a bit of luck and stuff as well. Yeah, so, through passing sort of thing. Up, yeah, yeah. I grew up in the inner city, so I grew up around Redfin and Waterloo. So I, you know, I grew up around a lot of Aboriginal people and I tended throughout my whole childhood and throughout to gravitate towards those people. So there was obviously a connection there um, that I didn't know about. And, and all my friends and the footy club that I played at, the school that I went to, was a high Indigenous rate, you know, high, you know uh, people there. So... Which, um, if you don't mind me asking, sorry, if you don't mind me asking, which uh, tribe is your heritage from? Okay, so uh, Dungari, which is Dungari, um, so Kentney and stuff. Yep, um, is, is where um, I've sort of traced a little. I don't know a lot about my family background. There's, there's a lot okay. of indigenous people um, that are mm. in a similar boat when it comes to stolen generation and stuff like that. Although, for sure, but in, you've traced in, it back to at least the Dungari mob. Yeah, but there is some connection there with the Cook side of my, my father's side. Um, so yeah, there's a connection there, and there's a connection with uh, grew up and, and raised in you know, in Gadigal there, which is Sydney Basin, yep. uh, the inner city. Um, yeah, so growing up around Redfern and Waterloo, um, footy was everything. Everyone played footy. I started playing when I was three years old. Oh wow! Um, started with um, the Zetler Magpies in the South Sydney district. Yep. Um, played most of my footy there, and then finished up playing footy at the Alexandria Rovers. So two inner city strong clubs with strong Indigenous ties. So um, always, you know, wanted to play. First grade rugby league thought that you know that would be the ultimate to do, um, but to do that you've got to be good at it. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know. Unfortunately, um, you know ambitions and capabilities were a little bit out of whack, and yeah, never got the opportunity to to play at any high level. So. But hey, you got there with with refereeing. 
footy's in the blood. Rugby league is in the blood. And yeah, it was you know, fortunate enough to to eventually get on to be able to have what I think is the second best job in the world. Which um, is refereeing. Run, yeah, run around on a footy field and, and not wake up Monday morning sore. <laughs> Honestly, that's great. Um, now, round 25, 2011, the Battle of Brookvale. You were a secondary yeah. ref on the field. Obviously, it's an, a go down in history for that game. What was it like for you? How how was it like handling the game in particular and everything in between? Yeah, it's, um, it, that is a weird situation of being as a referee because at that level of the game, we don't get that often. Mm. Very rarely do you see... I you think know, we've seen it once since with the send-off and that was this year. Yeah, very rarely do you see players, especially players that have been sent from the field, get into it and then you have benches and, and, and stuff that are in um, close proximity. You know, I had plenty of that growing up refereeing <laughs> in the Scotland district. Yep, yep. Um, plenty of times we had to deal with that. So maybe that then enabled me to be able to handle this situation. But yeah, it was unique because it was so far away from us and I just caught it out the corner of eye. I, could, uh, I think it was... Um, Glenn Stewart and Adam uh, Blair, who It was, yep. Him. Yep, and they got um, into it as they were walking off, yeah. Yeah, and so they're like, we, we were down on the goal line at the um, uh, one end of Brookvale Oval, and out of the corner of my eye, I just happened to see a commotion near the tunnel, so I sort of just ran over there, not even thinking, and then all of a sudden I'm in the midst of it. And I remember George Rose, who was on the bench for Manly at the time, sort of going past me, so in my thought is he's come off the bench. I just remember yelling, George, don't get involved, because if you get involved off the bench, you're in some serious trouble. Mm. And I remember George just looking at me. And I remember Pope, like, after the game, George coming to me and saying, thanks for that. You probably saved me because he was just going to go in and start grabbing players. But all of a sudden, he's come off the bench onto the field and, and can create himself some dramas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was quite an experience and it gets replayed a fair bit. So it's down in rugby league folklore. Yeah, well, for sure. That's why I thought I'd ask, you know, a ref that was there on the day. It's Yeah, it's amazing to hear from your side of things. Um, one of the... Um, commentary crew uh james from the podcast crew he asks what's the most difficult game that you've ever had to referee that can be at any level i'm guessing it's battle of brookvale but it could be a different game oh coming through refereeing a grade football before anywhere near the nrl is the hardest football i've ever had to referee oh wow okay Um, and why you have players that um aren't overly concerned about consequences so if players you know just want to run a mark there's very little, you know, what, the worst that's going to happen to them is they get suspended and there's no consequence to, consequence to that. It's not mm. like that's how they earn their living or anything like that. So um, having to deal with different personalities, different standard of footballers at, at that level and being able to have the personality to interact and try and win players over, you've got to deal with different personalities differently, mm-hmm. um, is the hardest part of your refereeing career. And not only is it the hardest part because of how hard it is, but it's also, you know, the, the least rewarding part of it because a lot of times it's, the sixth or seventh game you've done on a Sunday afternoon, it's pouring down, raining. Um, you know, all your friends are out the night before, and you you know you didn't get to go out the night before, so you're a little bit dirty on that. And the next um, day is the Monday you wake up sore because of so many games refereed that day. And then you go to work, and then through winter, as a young referee coming through, you virtually don't have weekends. Mm. Um, so that's that's the hardest part, and it's it's getting through that. And then there's so many referees, you know, quit at that level that have talent or ability, but it's time constraints or you know the fact that they've got to deal with those footballers that don't really care and and, you, and you, the abuse that you cop and stuff like that. So that yeah, I, I, I think about my my NRL career and there's not too many you know it's, it's difficult as it is to referee and officiate at that level. Um, it seems you know so it's a walk in the park to, sort of thing. Yeah, I, it definitely. I actually go and watch a lot of park football and I look at it and I think. I don't know if I could handle that now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and oh. I was much easier. 
Oh, wow, far out. So anyone who's listening, you heard it here first. NRL first grade is easier. Well, not easier, but much more manageable um, than A grade. Um, and talking of player management and all that, obviously that's something you definitely have to deal with on the field. Who are some standout constant whinges? And oh, they can be retired. I'm, honestly, let's go with retired for the sake of the NRL. And who are the top three... Um, sorry, I have this listed. Sorry, I'll go quickly go through... Yeah, so who were the top three retired players that were the worst milkers? And who were the top three retired players that were the worst complainers during your time? Um, I could probably put one player into both categories. Okay. And one of the nicest players you'd ever meet and such a lovely guy. But we used to call we had a nickname for him in the referees when he was referring, when he was playing and it was the sheep in wolf's clothing. The wolf in sheep's clothing, sorry. Um was Stephen Price. Oh, okay. Whinge and complain about everything and come at you for everything. And um, yeah, it was almost apologetic when he came sometimes, but he would continually <laughs> come. And, and it was just like, Steve, not again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and he, was never, he, he was never out of order. He was never yeah, no, no. Yeah. He just knew if he refereed the Warriors, especially when he was at the Warriors, when, when Pricey was playing, um, be prepared to, have, to answer a lot of questions. I think... A big part of the rules that we have now are due to Stephen Price, where you know, there's <laughs> certain times where captains can come and approach referees. Because you know, I reckon Price was coming a lot of times to um, just to slow the game down and give his players a rest more than wanting to receive answers from us. Okay. So he's probably the one that stands out the most to me. And, but like I say, he, uh, I feel bad for saying it because he's such a lovely guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a lovely guy for sure. Um, and who would the other two be in that sort of category? Everyone always says when you when you look at puzzle that, and the first person, especially when you talk about who were the hardest to deal with, and everyone always, and I've mentioned this a few times in different um, interviews and podcasts that I've been on, is um, Michael Ennis. Like everyone talks about Michael Ennis, um, but I loved refereeing Michael Ennis because okay. he kept me on the toes. He, he, he kept you accountable, sort of thing. And very intelligent, very intelligent. So when he came, you knew, yeah, you know, he he was coming educated in what he was saying. Yeah. Okay. And you knew you had to give the right answer. So, you know, I mean, so it kept you on your toes and you knew, and you knew going in that if you're referring to the, the, the Bulldogs and, and, you know, there's a decision, Michael is going to ask you why, how, he's going to ask all the details. So, you know, you had to be on your toes in how you answered it because if you answered in the wrong way or whatever, you, you, you know, he'd come back with... with, you with know, how, what about this and how about... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. So, and, and I really enjoyed that. And to, to me, it made me better. Yeah. You know, because, I, you know, players like that make, make you a better official because you're going overly prepared if like it's not like we don't go in prepared anyway but you, you know when 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 mick was out there such an intelligent footballer and yeah it was, was actually a, a pleasure for me to referee honestly that's so great um and speaking of challenges the captain's challenge is now a thing as of this year how is it going for you um personally as a referee um yeah i i, I don't mind it um we, we tried it a few years ago in in the um under 20s competition um had you know there was some some uh you know little things that needed to be ironed out in that um we i think we're we're sort of at a pretty good spot with it now um that with everything that we do in the nrl the coaches and the players are so good and so professional that they'll find ways to use it to their advantage oh they will I've got to that at some stage that you know teams will use it tactically and stuff like that once they get better um knowledge around it and and, and how they can how they can utilize that um, but at the moment, I think it's added something to the game because as referees, the, the last thing we want to do is make a decision that has an impact on the game that is incorrect. Yeah, for sure, any, for sure. Any, any opportunity for us to be correct? Like, people talk about does it make you feel embarrassed if you get something wrong or whatever? It doesn't. 
No. Because I can guarantee you, we're going to get things wrong in a game of rugby league. We're not perfect, and the game won't allow us to be. It's it's too hard. Well, you look at the best players yeah. in the world. Exactly. Whereas this captain's challenge enables you guys to get a call right, even though you technically got it wrong. It can help fix things, sort of patch things up that may have been a wrong call, sort of thing. Well, there are some decisions in the game that are near impossible for us to get correct, depending on angles. And and, you know, you've got the the one I look at the most is contests for the ball, so kick contests, and you might have four players jumping for a bomb, and there's so there's eight hands all in there, and one of them hits the ball. Yeah. Which ones hit it? You know, so we take educated guesses based on indicators, yeah, you know, which we train for. But and and we, it, to me, I think the amount of times we get those right shows how professional, and how well we do our job. And for sure. Uh, but for the, the couple of times we get them wrong, which are pretty big calls because of field position and, and stuff like that, but a team has the ability to then say, you know what, we think you got that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, let's fix it. Uh, I'm all for that. Honestly, a great. Agreed. I'm loving it. And I'm loving the six again. How are you going with that? And how did you train for that in the COVID break? Because you guys would have found out to some extent that, right, we're bringing the six again in and now you've got to practice that. How did you go with that? Yeah, so uh, in, in the honesty department, I didn't think it would work before we started it. Okay. Um, plenty of so I just thought teams would manipulate it. I was, I was looking at... Um, T- players you know, would milk it sort of thing? Well, if the team was coming off their own goal line, like why wouldn't you have an, you know, why wouldn't you take the risk because they can't keep the touch, so they're still going to mm. be have to, you know, have to work it. But um, as a footy fan, when I watch the game, I love it. I think it's um, I love it. the game, and, and and we talk about fatigue factors and stuff like that. But even take that away, I think just the continuity of the game, and I think the reason why our game is so good is because of continuity, and and we allow we try and allow the game to play as much as we can. Yep. I think um, the six to go has added. A, a lot to our game. It's added more um, flow. It's added a lot more pace and yeah. speed to it. Yeah, yeah, and and, and like anything, it'll evolve, and, and you know we may need to tweak things here and there, or you know um, take things out of it that we already allow for six more, add things. You know, it will work. It'll work out over time, like most things we do in rugby league. Um, training for it was very difficult mm. because when it was coming in and when COVID first hit, before we came back, we weren't training together as a squad. Mm. Yeah, we were separated. Um, so it made it really hard to get together as a group and, and, and sort of nut out the the things that we needed to do. But um, you know, through Zoom meetings and stuff like that, and like I said, the the amount of knowledge and, and skill in the group of referees that we had allowed us to get together and, and sort of go out there and for a group of people that have never tried it and also were one resource now because we went from two referees to one referee. Um, I was going to say, how are you handling that? Because you started refing as one ref. Um, and then they brought in the two ref system, and now they've re-implemented one ref. How did you go from making the change back to one ref? Yeah, it, well, it, well, I think the product on the field proves hmm. you know, how professional as a group we are because no one's talking about um, you know how it took a while for us to adapt because from you know round three, which was game one after the, the COVID break, it went seamless, and everyone was talking about yeah. how good the footy was. But when people are talking about how good the footy is. No one's talking about referees. Well, it's a reflection on the referees, is what it is. Well, well, then you've got to say that the referees are having some impact on how well the game's being played. Because when the game's terrible or bogged down, or so everyone blames the referees for that. Yeah, they they go, oh, too many penalties called, or two stop start. Yeah, no. So we've got to take some credit for a small amount, but there is some credit that goes towards the refereeing department around. You know, how well the footy is it? Oh, moment. for sure, 100%. Like, I would give you guys at least out of the 100... If you were to go out of a 100% sort of scale, I'd give you guys at least 50 because the other 50% is on the players. Yeah, 
Yeah, and the players, and, and you've seen over the last couple of weeks, the players are getting better and, and, and more adapted to it. Obviously, they came back and, you know, not being able to, you know, especially not having a reserve grade competition at the moment, mm. so the players are coming cold and stuff, and it's taken them a couple of weeks to, to get back into the swing of it, but I think, you know, they're, they're back at it now. In saying that, though, I think with the six-to-go rule, the captain's challenge, if we put if we still had two referees out in the field, I think the product would be better. Okay. Big fan You're still a big fan of two referees? Okay. I think decision making is a big part of it. Mm. I think we get make better decisions because a lot of the times when the balls, especially around you know the ball coming out and, and knock-ons and strips and stuff, when the ball's coming out, a lot of the times the person behind the ruck is the one who gets to see that. I was going to say, so do you reckon if you were to have a two-ref system, it would be on the secondary referee to call the six again? Uh, no, it would still be the same process, but the, okay. the, the person behind the ruck would then be um, giving information about how the ball come out, which we yep. did. Um, also around you know, the last couple of weeks has been a notable increase around um, crusher tackles and stuff like mm, that. I've saw a few of those in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, and and, and these are the little intricate parts of, uh, of officiating that people sort of don't understand. A lot of the times, as soon as a player gets into a position where it's likely that they, there might be a, a possible crusher tackle, the pocket referee who's standing really close will then make some kind of decision to the player or give some information. And a lot of the times, you know, watch his neck or be careful, and the player reacts to that and then allows. You know, the, the, and then the there's then then it doesn't end up in a crusher, yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of a, a lot of the work that the assist referee does or used to do was around being proactive, hmm. it was around talking to players behind the ruck and you know, and, and which then creates less penalties and stuff like that because you're educating players on what they're doing. So I think yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see two referees with the six to go and the captain challenge. That would be to see how much better the game could be or, you know, just, just give them an opportunity and see, just see. Yeah, no, for sure. You can, worst you can do is trial it and say, okay, it doesn't work. Put, put back to one. Yeah. No, I agree with that hundred percent. Um, so time for some fun questions. Uh, what's your current beer of choice? Um, you know, I don't have a beer that I sort of is my go-to. Okay. Um, we, we always have a couple of beers in the fridge, but we'll generally, tr- I like to try different beers and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think Furphy at the moment is something mm. that I've, 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 I'm enjoying. Um, okay. Casey's on the pure blondes at the minute, so there's a there's a Casey pure blondes in the fridge. Yep. Um, so that's that's her beer of choice at the minute. So that's what we're drinking. Um, but yeah, I, I like to try different beers, and there's some that are ordinary, and then some that you you really like. I I, I don't mind Young Henry's as well. Okay. Yep. I, I I just got I just got put under Bolters or Bolter the oh, other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice. Like I only tried it for the first time like last week. But I'm getting hints of it like it tastes like a cider but without the fizziness of a cider. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I think Mick Fanning has something to do with that company. I think oh, it might be well, part of it. Well if he does, yeah. freaking thank you, Mick, for that taste. It's it's a good drop. <laughs> but, it's a good uh, drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, how's um, first of all, what's it like, obviously, being married to a referee, and how do you guys go when you referee together? Whether it's she's on the sideline or you referee, you know, you guys refereed your first ever game and it, together, and it was an international game. What was that like? Yeah, um, uh, we're in a, you know, a, a really good situation where we get to do what we love and do it at the highest level together. Yeah. And get paid. You know, and we get paid to do it. So. Um, yeah, it, it, it's we're, we're we're in a privileged position for that. Um, we get you know, Casey and I spend a lot of time together, um, and we, we enjoy that. You know, so we get to work together, go to work together. We get to run around on NRL for, together. Yeah, our first international game was um, funny enough was in Thailand. Yeah, so in Bangkok, we were referee Thailand versus Philippines. Yep. Um, 
and that was an experience. Um, firstly, being in Thailand and being involved in a rugby league game, which you know I love the fact. And low key being on a holiday with your wife in Bangkok, yeah. Thailand, you could say it was a paid yeah, yeah. holiday. You could say. Yeah, yeah, actually, we paid our own way to go and stuff. Oh, so okay. What helped? Yeah, we paid. We, we yeah we paid for it all ourselves to go. We wanted to help try. I love seeing um, international rugby league and 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 smaller nations compete. You know, I love it. Like, there's an Africa team a lot of people don't realise that Africa has an emerging team. Yeah, there's quite a few. India, in the Indian, um, I think there's the Jungle Cats. Yep, there's um, Brazil. When we went to the States last year, um, we met up with some of the guys from the Brooklyn Kings. Yep, yep, um, Brooklyn Kings, yep. Who won the US NRL last year. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really, you know, where possible, would love to assist and help um, in, in those emerging nations get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to, to be able to do that was 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 awesome, and yeah, just going to work every day and and bouncing off each other and, and understand. The thing is, with what we do, um, there's there's a lot of stress on family because not only media stress, there's also the stress of we don't find out on Tuesday to where we're going that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday night, I might get I'll get my email and I'll be going to New Zealand on Thursday. Yeah, it's literally when, um, from what I've been told from Henry a few weeks ago, he goes, you guys find out when Teamless Tuesday is dropped, more or less. Firstly, so, so during a year, if people are getting married during footy season, you can't accept invitations. <laughs> yeah. Because you just don't know where you're going to be that weekend. And I'm not going to say to someone, I might be there and they cater for you and you're not there. So, you, you know, birthday parties, you know, anniversaries and all that stuff sort of gets thrown out the window during footy season. Uh, most of the guys in our squad... Guys and girls in our squad, their wedding anniversaries are in November because yeah. that's our only opportunity to get you know to, to do it all. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that um, family have to sacrifice for, it. but having someone who's involved in it just makes it easy for me because I don't. It would be. It'd be a lot more streamlined for you, sort of thing. Yeah, she understands exactly what I'm going through. If I, you know, if I come home and and I'm flat because I've had a tough day at training and you know I don't want to help around the house with chores, she understands because um, the next day that she- might be her. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We work, we work together like that, and yeah, you, know, you know, if I've got to travel over the weekend and I come home, or especially now with this COVID stuff, where you know some nights we're getting home at two thirty a.m. or some mm. mornings from, from a Brisbane game, and then you, you know you've got pl- things planned for the next day, but you get up in the morning, so you know what, well, I'm really flat today. Let's give that a miss. Um, they understand. Yeah. So where I know some of the other guys don't have that same understanding from their partners. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, they've got the understanding, but just not to that extent, sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, and, and, you know, I, I say it would be very difficult. You know, but, uh, I'm in a I'm in a pretty privileged position in that. Honestly, it'd be a great position. Um, and do you feel more pressure during a finals slash Origin international game sort of thing than a regular first grade club game, or as in as a referee, or like is it more or less take every game as it comes? Oh, you have to rule what we have to just take it because um, I spoke earlier when I spoke to you earlier about um. You know, park football being a lot easier, a lot harder to referee than the NRL. Yep. The, the the biggest difference is that in the NRL, though, you're under a lot more scrutiny. Mm. So every decision you know we make is overly scrutinised, which is just the nature of the beast, and, and that's yep. what it has to be. You know, and and if us, you know, as referees, we you know we are people that can be, and if it happened to me, we can be on the front and back page of the paper. Doesn't yeah. happen a lot. Of, not a lot of people can be on the front and back page. So if we mm. have a yeah, Again, like last year's with the grand final, that was front yeah. and back page, yeah. We're still talking about it now, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, you know that every decision you make is scrutinised, and that can be different depending on what game you've got as well, because you might have a game on a Saturday night at 7.30 in New Zealand, which doesn't have a lot of 
media, you know, Sydney, Brisbane-based media, and you can have a pretty poor decision in that game, which sort of goes under the radar a bit, and you don't sort of um, have too much backlash, but you can make exactly the same decision on a Sunday afternoon, mm. you know, see us pulled all the NZ Stadium match of the round, and all of a sudden it's in the paper for a week. Yeah. So, so the scrutiny is on every decision you make, not what game it is, or, or, or you know, what level of, of game. Obviously, you know, grand finals, origins, and stuff have yeah. a lot more scrutiny. So you get more if that makes sense. But yeah, no, it does. Uh, yeah. As people who want to, you know, the thing people got to realize is referees. We are rugby league lovers. We oh love yeah. The game. We wouldn't do it if we didn't. You wouldn't start exactly. refereeing if not rugby league. You don't see. It's different to sports. Or not. It is a little bit different to sports where. You know, as a kid, I tried every sport. I played yeah. cricket, I played soccer, I played football. But league was always first for you. Well, yeah, but I just tried different sports because I wanted to see which one I'd be. Yeah, I always, my life for rugby league was always there. As an official, you don't do that. You don't go, oh, I want to be an official. What sport do I want to officiate? You there just you go, go. I'm a rugby league. How do I stay involved? I referee rugby league. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's what happened. So, you're gonna, so we always go out there trying to do the best for the game. You know, whatever's best for that game. and yet you know what sometimes we make mistakes and we get hammered and you know people want to you know bag us for a week but the end at the end of the day we just want what's best for regular yeah no that's fair and honestly i agree and speaking of what was it like <laughs> running onto the field for your 350th nrl first grade level refereeing game yeah it's um you get a lot of pride out of it because to me longevity is more important than anything mm. um because longevity means that you've done something right for a long period of time and in the environment that we work in, it means that you're also respected by your peers and stuff. Mm, you know, for sure. People want you around because um, I'm not a referee who's refereed the biggest games. I haven't refereed grand finals. I haven't refereed state of origins. You know what I mean? So I'm not someone that's at the top of the game all the time. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm your toilet. I'm your, your, you know, your, your, your back roller that just does, does the dirty does work. Does the job. Yep. And, and that's been my whole career. So um, to be able to do it for that long, and I think at 350, I think there's only three... Over 350, maybe? I think, yeah. Um, I think it's uh, Billy, uh, Benny Cummins, and myself, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, it, to me, that says that um, people like having me around. Mm. And, well, know, I personally, from a fan standpoint, love watching you referee every game. Yeah. Every, Even if it's a team that aren't playing, I will watch the game because you're the referee of the ga in the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoy every minute I have out there because I, I, I never, yeah, even though I've done quite a few of them and I can't remember every one of them. Um, I've never taken any of them for granted. You know, I mean, because every, you know, it's an honour and a privilege to go out there and referee the NRL, you know, whether it be one game or whether it be 300. So I will never, ever take take them for granted. And, um, yeah, like I said, I, I, players often talk about, you know, they want to be the player that players want to play with. And that's exactly been my attitude. I want to be the referee that when people, especially when it was two referees, um, that people see my name next to them and they're happy to see it there. They're not like, oh, I don't want to get this one. Um, you know, awesome. I've got badge, and I know what he's going to give me every week, and I know how hard he works. Yeah, you know, been made a years, and that, and that's, uh, I think, longevity has proven that for me. For sure. I mean, I know a lot of fans of many different clubs that when they see your name listed as the referee of, for the game, they're like, "Fuck yes." We've got, we've got Gavin Badge, you know, sort of thing, which I think is testament to yourself. And speaking of longevity, um, any thoughts of retirement anytime soon? Or are you going to go for the 400 or something like that? Oh, I don't care about numbers. I just care about, um, you know, as long as I feel like I'm physically able to do it. And at the minute, um, I, I don't think I've ever been fitter. Mm. Um, so physically, I'm, I'm fine. And mentally, I'm fine. I'm still, I still love being around the squad. You know, it's a, 
I always talk about what I do as a job is, you know, it's just like being at school. Yep. Uh, you know, you get given the schedule where you've got to be all week. So we get our roster for our training for the week. And then on the weekends, I get to go out and, and run around on the footy field. And it's exactly what my school life was like. Yeah. Um, I never want to give that up. I'm still, I'm just a big kid. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm the oldest in the squad, but maturity wise, I'm probably the youngest. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, as long as, as long as they'll have me, I, I, I don't think it'll, it'll get to a point where I retire. I get, a, I think it'll get to a point where, Someone has to tell me that they don't want me around anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, you'll um, just keep going until they tell you to f off, sort of well, thing. I, I love it that much. Um, that you know, I I don't think that I could actually come out and say I'm done. Yeah, I think someone has to tell me that I'm I'm of no value to the squad anymore. No, nah, that's fair. That's fair enough. Um, and speaking of you know the squad and all that sort of stuff, obviously with players, they have some have certain routines before a game. Do you have any certain? must have do it this way routines before a match and if not who does have the weirdest routine that you've seen i don't have anything uh my routine is be there on time yep. <laughs> yeah um, generally um i don't yeah because like what we do is so different each week like one week i might be on a thursday night um in sydney the next week i might be on a saturday night in new, new zealand. zealand yep it, 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 so it's so fluid you know i mean you can't so, you know, I try not to structure it because different things, like during the season, there's different things. There might be kids sport in the morning uh, that you have to go, you, you know, car might be playing up, someone might be sick at home. So if you have a, to me, I know some people need it, but if I had a certain structure that had to happen every week, um, there's too many variables in it. Too mm. many things can go wrong and it can throw your whole, you know, mindset. Throw your whole game off, yeah. Yeah, and, and for me, I'm, I'm pretty loose. So, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I generally don't even think about footy until... Until you're walking on the pitch, more or less. Yeah, getting in. A lot of guys will spend up a, a lot of the time through the week really focusing on it, and and that's what they need to do to get them prepared for the for the weekend. I'm I'm more of a um, less is more kind of guy than a yeah. more is more. Yeah, yeah. but um, uh, routine. Some guys, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, you spoke about Henry before. Henry has some pretty weird ones, but um, oh yeah. Any that you can uh, mention on the on the podcast or nah? Well, really, some of the guys like to have a big energy drink before they go out and stuff like that and, and, and side themselves up. Um, I won't name the referee, but some like to do some push-ups to try and build their arms up a little bit um, <laughs> before they go out and, and um, refuse to have the trainer take the oil off their legs because they want it to be glistening when they go out. There's, <laughs> uh, there's a few guys like that. Yeah, Some guys would love to referee with their shirt off. Um, but nah, generally, um, generally everyone's pretty laid back and you know we like to have a bit, bit of music in the room and beforehand and just have a bit of a chat and have a laugh and yeah we try not to take ourselves too seriously yeah no, that's a, on the field is serious yeah exactly now i get that um and finishing off with some more fun questions uh what's your current favorite movie or show that either you're watching on netflix or tv or just in general um i've just re found the love for balls i sort of okay. stopped watching it for a while um okay. it's NFL based show, yep. um, Rock in it and stuff, and um, the the latest season, The Rock actually is the uh, buyers of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, so he's now the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs in it. So that sort of got, got piqued my interest back in that. Um, I like watching. I, I love watching reruns of Seinfeld. And okay. Friends. Oh, Friends is um, great. Yeah, like it, it, no matter how many times you've seen an episode, you you, you know continually laugh at it and stuff like that. So um, yeah, into that. Um, I don't know about um, recent ones. We sort of jump around a fair bit, Case and I, um, with with our Netflix shows and stuff. We sort of jump back into Suits. 
Okay. We haven't watched the last three seasons of Suits, so we jump back in that. So we'll we'll watch a couple of seasons of something and then jump onto something else. Yep. Yep. Pretty pretty short attention spans. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, How do you like your steak cooked? So, well, I used to be well done, always well done. Like, really, oh. I couldn't eat with any red on it. And Casey okay. yells at me. She yells at me. <laughs> yeah, very much you're eating it wrong. <laughs> exactly right. And that's what you see. You're losing the flavors, using the flavors. But um, I've grown up where we never really had good steaks. So you had to burn them so they had any flavor. That's um, bad. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've recently started to go try and back it off a touch. So I'm going sort of medium well and seeing how well. And sometimes... If I see a bit of red there, I've got to close my eyes so I can't see it. Oh. Uh, like looking at the, the red part of it, but I'm getting better. No, nah, that's better. fair. That's fair. Um, if you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Um, I think I'd love to be invisible. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and more for the gossip side of things. I love <laughs> be a fly on the wall sort of thing? I'd love to, I'd love to hear um, so many different... I'd love to hear what people think of me. Like, honestly think of me, you know what I mean? Like... It's very hard to, you know, you, everyone wants to be liked, you know, but not everyone's going to like you, but you'd like to know reasons why um, yeah, people think yep. highly or lowly of you. Um, I'd love to, yeah, there's plenty of things I'd love to be able to be a fly on the wall for. I'd love to, I'd love to be able to sit in and listen to um, the reasons certain referees get picked and, and why, and I'd love to hear why coaches pick certain players. I'd love, you know, it, yeah, I'd love to be invisible so I could just sit back and, uh, and I love people watching, so I'd love to be able to hear what they're saying as well. No, that's fair. That's honestly fair enough. Um, last bit of uh, questions is, do you have any advice for any youngsters that would love to be an NRL referee one day? Um, yeah, you got to listen. Um, you just got to listen to people. There'll be a lot of... The thing with... And, and uh, I, do a bit, I do a bit of coaching with young referees. And the, and the thing I always put across to them is, we're in a subjective industry as mm. a referee. You can have four people watch the exact same game of football and give you four different opinions of how the referee went. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just opinion based. It's subjective. There's no finish line. Like if you're a, if you're a, a sprinter at the Olympics and you come first, no matter what you do, you are the gold medalist. In refereeing, you got to go out there, do something, and you could think, you know, you could have ten people think that that was one of the best performances they've ever seen, but the one person who thinks it's terrible could be the coach who makes the decision, mm. and you know, because of styles, or whatever, mm. and. And that, yeah, and that could be the difference between you getting a game and not getting a game. So, so what I say is you just listen to everybody, take everything in, don't take anything personally, mm-hmm. um, and just prepare yourself and do the best you can do. My attitude is when I go, when I, whatever I do, I just do it to the best of my ability, and then I've just got to hope someone else likes it. And if they don't, they don't. That's, yep. that's just as long as you're personally it. satisfied with your performance. As long as I know that I've prepared as well as I can, I've done yep. the best I can, and I've given it everything. Um, you know what? I don't. I don't really care what people think. I, I, I care that, that they have an opinion on, on my yeah. career and, and yeah. where I get. But yeah. I can I can only judge myself, and I know that you know if I put in the effort, and you know this is what I say to, to young referees: you just got to make sure that you're doing everything you can be, so that if you don't get picked, it's based on someone's opinion, not something that you've done. Yeah. Or, or Exactly. Honestly, and I agree. Um, and speaking of, as I said, as I've mentioned a few times in this episode, speaking from a fan's point, you are definitely my favourite NRL referee at the current moment. Now, go ahead. You didn't say that to Henry as well? Pardon? You I didn't, didn't say, say that to Henry as well? No, no, I didn't. He, 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 <laughs> he, he's one of my favourites, but you are actually the favourite. 
No, so, that's right. no, Henry's a really good guy. He is yeah. a lovely guy. He's a lovely guy. And honestly, that's all the topics I have. So thank you very much for joining us. And I'll send you the links when it's all done and uploaded. Should be probably by, what's today? Tuesday. Probably by Thursday. No problem at all. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. And hopefully have a good rest of the season. I'll do my best. All good, mate. Thank you. Bye.